What's up, planters? What's up? I'm Brandon Whitfield. In 2018, I set out on an adventure that would totally change my life forever. I, along with four families and my own, started a brand new church. That's right, from scratch. We had some good times, like the time we received over 300 people at our very first worship service. And we had some bad times, like that time our music equipment wouldn't play right before a worship set. Yeah, that was embarrassing. I did take notes along the way, though, and I'm ready to share it all with you. So if you're a church planter, a potential church planter, or you're interested in planting a church, you've come to the right place for all of your information that you need in order to get a good jump start. So sit back, relax, enjoy. You are listening to Planters. Hey everybody, I am excited to be with a good friend of mine today. Um, I am taking him to the airport, <laughs> but while we are uh, on the road, I thought it would be fun to uh, interview him a little bit and um, get in his head. Um, he is um, an evangelist man that has traveled all over and um, done amazing ministry, not just in the U.S., but in other countries as well. Young guy. Uh, you won't be able to tell it, though, because he's very wise in everything that he does. Um, so I'm going to be talking to my good friend Samuel Ortiz. Yes, sir. God bless you. God bless everyone. Um, I'm thankful to be here with uh, Pastor Brandon. It's a great opportunity to be able to dialogue and speak about different experiences that we've had in ministry. And I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, uh, what do you want to talk about first? <laughs> well, I want to get, get to know you a little bit, man. So how, how old were you when you gave your life to the Lord? When I gave my life uh, to the Lord, um, I was nine years old. I, our, in our household, we were really, 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 uh, really religious. So it was always... It, it, the gospel to us was always based on fear. So they would always kind of bring things uh, to our attention to spook us. So um, <laughs> I remember that my dad put a movie on uh, of a man that had experience uh, of going to hell. And they were kind of like showing the in the movie, they were showing pictures of, of like what hell kind of looked like, what they thought, you know, hell, uh, the experience of hell was. And I got so scared that I went to the room and I started crying. And I said, Daddy, I don't want to go to hell. And I said, Dad, what do I do? And he started praying for me. And he told me, you have to give your life to, to, to the Lord because um, if the Lord comes, you, you know, you can't grab onto my leg. Or, you know, you can't go with your mom or, or, or with your dad. Just because we serve the Lord doesn't mean that that's guaranteed salvation for you and um in that moment i i actually made a decision with all my heart to give my life to christ and even though you know i was ignorant i was just nine years old from that moment on something something happened in my in my life that that really opened up uh my eyes to to understand certain things that were happening um, spiritually. And after that, it was at 12 years old where I was baptized in water. And then a couple days later, I was baptized in the spirit with you know, speaking in tongues at 12 years old. And then after that, 
that's when I, at 14 years old, I preached in my city for the first time. Wow, that that dude, that is that's crazy. You know, it reminds me a lot about myself because I was raised in a heavy like Pentecostal household, and um, so when you talk about being afraid, like I saw some stuff that like scared me to salvation. So I know all about that, dude. And I want to get that movie. What was the name of that movie? It, it was called um, um, in Spanish. It was called uh, Subasta de un alma. Oh, so it's a Spanish movie. So I can't. Yeah. Oh, okay. All it, right. It's called. It, they were actually uh, auctioning off a life. Yeah, and and uh, the devil came and offered the soul, um, you know, everything, the riches of the world, all the sin in the world, and then um, after the man accepted to, you know, to take everything the devil the devil offered him, he was like, now I'm going to show you what I really have to offer you, and he showed him hell. That's okay. I think I'm gonna pass on that movie. <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna pass on that one. You know, now I feel like I need to go watch a Disney movie to clean up my head a little bit. But so, dude, you you gave your life to the Lord at nine years old, um, and you preached your first sermon at fourteen. Yes, my first sermon um, out out of the church. My first sermon was actually at, at I was thirteen, but out of my church, like started preaching out. It was at 14 years old. And I, I assume doors just started opening for you after that, right? Yeah, I uh, I actually uh, got into a seven-day fast at 14 years old. 14 years old on a seven-day fast. No Lunchables for 14 <laughs> days. <laughs> and it was so supernatural that um, I went to the service and I couldn't even preach. Demons started to flee. People started to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was insane. Did you have an understanding, though, of what was going on? Yeah, my mom was really coaching me through it because she she knew, um, you know, before I was born, she knew that I, I was going to have a supernatural calling. So she coached me through everything. She told me, um, you know, before the service, if, if, if people start receiving, um, you know, uh, liberation, she told she you know t- told me how to you know and through prayer how to cast out demons and you know how to take authority and uh, she told me never let go of the mic um, don't be afraid to to cast out a demon um, and and uh, you know don't shy away from those moments like really take charge of the service and you know do not uh, be intimidated by how aggressive it is like if somebody's yelling or throwing up or you know don't be afraid. Wow. That's crazy. You know, it's amazing, dude. This dude is anointed, man. He came to preach at our church last uh, spring, man, and I'm still talking to the insurance companies to clean up our floors. <laughs> dude, dude just totally wiped us out. It's totally awesome. Um, so, Sam, you um, have been preaching for a long time, man. Um, and one of the things that I'm noticing is that a lot of pastors and evangelists and preachers our age that are itinerant or bivocational, they um, have... Uh, to be faithful to their home ministry at home um, and they are also building their itinerant ministry and they are received differently on the road than they are um, at home and I know if there's anybody that knows about that is is you so can you help guide us through that you know if there's someone who is an itinerant minister or an evangelist what advice would you give to them how do they separate um, both worlds how do you do it well I want to be honest. Um, I feel like we have um, we have placed limitations uh, through cultures. I don't know how it is really um, in uh, the African American churches. I have preached in like 
a couple in the last couple of years. But us in the Spanish churches, um, we let we let kind of uh, a lot of a lot of uh, can I say um, like our culture? We were taught wrong in so many different ways that that has become kind of the norm within our churches because growing up in the Spanish churches, they've always told us that if you're a man of God, you know, to stay humble, you have to be poor, you have to be broke. And, um, you know, don't take, don't take no offerings, leave it at the church. Like, and we would go preach to certain churches and they would give us fruit baskets. They would give us shavers and, it started off like that. And as the church started adjusting and understanding how to value the anointing over the man of God and, you know, through through revelation and studying the word of God and how the prophets were received and how Jesus was received and understanding how, you know, the men of God pay a price and how sometimes they have to be away from their homes, away from their families. And some of us are called full time into ministry. You know, a lot of people started understanding, like, you know, we can't continue to treat the men of God like that. We have to understand that these people are paying a price and, you know, they need to be honored for that price that they're paying. And, you know, this anointing doesn't just come from, you know, uh, uh, throwing a, a, a quarter in a well and making a wish. There's a price that they're paying and that price has to be honored. That's good. That's good. So... When you are on the road and, um, yes. you know, people are re- receiving you mm-hmm. um, and then when you go home and it's different, you know, how do you how do you handle that? You know, for me, um, you know, everybody knows my story. I went through depression for a couple of years and I was still in ministry while doing that. And I think a large part of it is because of how I was received differently on the road um, than I was at home. You know, I question you know, sometimes my relationship with the Lord. Why is it that, you know, when it comes to ministering to family and when it comes to ministering to people I grew up with or went to school with, you know, why was that? Why was that different? But yet when I was on the road and would conduct revivals, I mean, the Lord, the spirit of the Lord would move in such an intense way, you know. So it was very noticeable to me and it was hard for me to to handle that. You know, can you speak to that a little bit? There's an old saying um, that we used to use a lot. I don't know if you guys use it, but um, when I was growing up, they used to say, um, eyes that don't see, hearts that don't feel. Mm. And sometimes when, you know, when people know you, they know the mistakes that you made. They know the battles that you have struggled with. That that kind of makes them look at you at less valuable. Mm. They, they, you know... Men by nature is like that. Um, it's very difficult for me to 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 have seen somebody and their struggles and and made so many mistakes and then receive a word from them right. after probably all the mistakes they made. But that's why you should receive the word from them even more because if they were capable of getting up mm. and capable of of lifting themselves from that you know that mistake, that error, that fall, that sin. And, and and they paid a price to be able to be where they are currently, then that should be respected and honored. But, you know, not everybody perceives that way. Not everybody sees it that way or understands it that way. You know, a lot of people hold on 
to, to you know, malicious mentalities and they like to hold on to, to you know, they want to make you prove yourself. And it's important, you know, to build reputation because reputation is important. But I believe that, you know, how would, how would they feel if it was done to them? You know, like, how, like it's, it's, I feel like a lot of people do that. But when it's it's the, them, they're the ones that are being disrespected and dishonored. They kind of like understand it now. Like, wow, I see it. And I think it just comes with time. It comes with revelation. It comes with experience that people will start will start to understand. Like, you know, now I can see what what Brandon was saying. Now I can see what Sammy was going through because now I have the experience and now I know that not why people dishonor me and why people didn't want to give me opportunity. Now I know why, because now I see what they went through and it's not, it's not that easy, especially when people have this kind of, this pedal stool. Oh, you're supposed to be this anointed. You're supposed to be in this level for us to receive you. Like you, you know, people want you to go through walls and do magic tricks for them to feel like they have to give you some sort of respect. It's not like that. You know, you, everybody, everybody should give automatic respect because it, this is through grace. This is not just through work. It's through grace. It's like, if you love somebody, like God demands for us to love each other, then we should automatically have that vision to see people as God sees them. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about while you were talking is um, Jesus. You know, he, he came here as a as a child and the people that he had administered to first, they saw him growing up. You know, he was just a, you know, carpenter's son, you know, like, really? You know, they were expecting someone grand to come, you know, doing such, you know, fantastic things, which Jesus did. But when it came to him, they I think that they felt like he was disqualified to be um, the Messiah. He had to deal with that. And there are scriptures in the Bible that talks about when you're not received you know, at home, dust your feet off and keep it moving. You know, so I, I think that's absolutely, you know, that's some really good advice right there, man. Thanks for sharing. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is, um, you know, the importance of seasons. What I'm seeing, uh, especially in the church planting world, is, you know, people are called. There's no doubt about that. You know, they have a calling on their life, but they don't write. They don't wait for the right season to to move, you know, and I know that has happened, you know, in my life before. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, you know, you've been preaching now for, you know, almost 15 or so years. I'm sure that there have been times that you have made decisions to do things out of season and you had to reap the repercussions of that. Um, yeah. So speak to that a little bit for us. You know, if there's millennials that are listening there, are, you know, people who are feeling as if they are called to uh, do certain things. Um, how important is it to wait for our right season? It's very important um, to wait for the right season. I myself had made had made a lot of mistakes um, on making decisions out of season and it, it's cost me time tears it's cost me energy money and i'm thankful i can't say that i regret it because in in part i don't regret it because i learned so much how to right. listen to god in different levels right. and that's something that 
it's also necessary. There are certain seasons where God will speak to your heart and you'll feel a strong conviction. And sometimes God will speak to you in other ways. God will speak through you through people. God will speak through you through through probably your family members. Yeah. And you, the, the, what I have learned is do not, do not kind of like, I want to say, it's hard because uh, I'm thinking it in Spanish, mm-hmm. I want to say it in English, mm-hmm. but um, you kind of, don't dismiss the possibilities of God trying to speak through you yes. through something that you're not accustomed to yeah, yeah, because true. you can make a mistake mm-hmm. to dismiss it mm-hmm. and you're like oh that wasn't of God because it wasn't what I'm accustomed to wow. God can speak through you to you through anybody and through anything right because sometimes if you're not connected to God connected to God in in the in in that season mm-hmm and you're just led by emotions right. you can you can literally hear literally literally hear um your heart speaking through any little thing yeah that's true that's true because yeah. you when your heart is speaking you you'll hear what you want to hear but when god is speaking it, it, it it'll rub you the wrong way yeah so it's not enough to just you know stretch your faith you gotta stretch your ear too yes I like that. And I've understood it because, my God, uh, and I'll, I'll give you this experience uh, uh, that, that I had. I went and I moved to uh, go help out uh, my old pastor to, to uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I was saying, God, I know that this is that that this is you. But in my heart, I didn't feel like... It was really what I should have done, mm-hmm. but I was with the mentality that, <laughs> hey, if this is not of God, I'll just come back home. And uh, I was like, I'm going to take a risk. I've always been a risk taker. <laughs> if it doesn't work out, I'll go back home. <laughs> I got in my car. I drove 18 hours. Mm. And every day that I was there, I asked God, why am I here? Like, what am I doing here? Like, everybody that was there had their families. had, And I was there by myself. I didn't have nothing uh, that I really wanted to do. I was making mistakes. I was, you know, hanging around with people that were not even in the same level that I was in mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Everybody was just like, man, um, you are such a great person god uses you but this is what what i want to get to and also connected to the first question you have to be careful also of of people celebrating you in the sense of boosting your ego where you're no longer accessible to the spirit of god because sometimes People will celebrate you so much on the road, but they're not celebrating you. They're just celebrating your gift. Your gift. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's good. That's good. So I learned that so heavily in that process Mm -hmm. that now people are like, oh, my God, how God uses you. And I'm like, "Mm -hmm, Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because they're only celebrating my gift. gift. But when I come home, I get the reality check from my wife, from my kids, from from my, you know, family members. They're like, yeah, man. 
we know you and you, you know you're a great awesome man of god but you know they they know my flaws they know who i am they they know everything that i've gone through in my life mm -hmm. and they've been there for me in the good and the bad and they counseled me yeah. that's why i don't get depressed i don't get um you know i don't get angry no more mm -hmm. because you need that reality check yeah, you yeah. need people to tell you put your feet right. on the ground because yeah, yeah. i know they celebrate you out there they to the point where they're even like you know they're trying to celebrate you like what happened to paul mm -hmm. Where they were trying to say, oh, my God, it's God amongst yeah. men. Right, right. You know, you know what I'm saying? Put them in their place. Yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 you know, Paul ripped his, he ripped his mantle. Right, right. Sometimes you got to do that. You got to yeah, come yeah. home and rip your mantle. Because <laughs> people are literally celebrating you to the point where you're like, yeah, I'm yeah. the man. And yeah. you're, like, coming home and demanding that type of respect. to people are like, hold up a second. Yeah. Like, I to know us, your you're just. I know your words. Yeah, I know your works. But it's not that they don't care. It's not that they don't they don't know that you're anointed. Some people are haters, genuinely. Some people don't really care about you. But those people that genuinely care about you in the home front, like your wife, your kids and and, and your family members, and, and you know, and certain people that God has you surrounded by, those people are just going to help you, you know, keep your mind focused on what's what's real. I like that. It's not a bad thing. They're just um, loving you from a different perspective. Yes. They're supporting you from a different perspective. Yes. And, and and I think that you have to appreciate both worlds, man. Yep, both you really is a there's a good balance in between the both of them. Yes. Now, why you was holding on to the handlebar when I was stop, when I was stopping the car, man? Uh, you, you scared? Um. I, I struggle with certain phobias and fears. Okay, so what you trying to say? I can't drive. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's I I I, uh, I kind of have uh, this Stockholm syndrome going. Like I, I'm hostage to fears of dying in a car. Have you been in a car accident before? Yes. Oh, okay, I, that explains that. Yes. So I'm, I'm glad you brought up, you know, uh, when you go home and you have to, you know, rent, uh, rent your mantle, you know, because, um, you know, you guys who are listening, you don't know, but Michelle's in the car with us and uh, I'm going to have her to jump on, man, because, you know, Sammy is uh, he's not a small timer, man. This man is a, he's a big timer, man. He, he doesn't say it. Uh. You know, he doesn't say it, but, you know, this dude has a lot of a lot of weight on his life uh, in ministry. He's been he's been on some good platforms, man. And um, so with that, there takes a anointed woman at home to keep him to keep him grounded, you know. So, you know, Michelle, why don't you um, talk to us a little bit? Um, how is it, um, you know, having a husband that is on the road a lot? And, um, you know, what do you do at home to, to make sure that things are taken care of? And, you know, talk to us about that. Give us the behind the scenes of Samuel Ortiz. Hello, everybody. So, yes, um, it is not easy being a ministry wife. Um, you know, I, I say it that way because uh, ministry becomes such a big thing in our lives in a sense where not only are we taking care of our own personal lives like now we have people that are looking onto us to for as an example or things like that but I, I like that he said that you know when you get home you have to have that person to ground you because as an evangelist pastor you know you were saying that you're received differently when you when you preach somewhere else and then when you're home and it's so true because I've seen how when my husband goes to preach elsewhere you know, people are like, oh, my God, treating him like he's some kind of God. And I always have to tell him, 
you know, you're, you're doing the will of God and it's not you, it's God that's using you. And you got to be careful with these people that are constantly going into your ear like, oh, like you did it, you did it, you did it. Or because of you, I'm healed. Or because of you, because of the word you gave me, I, this happened, this miracle happened. And I'm like, it's not you, it's God. And I always keep that, I remind him of that because I want him to understand that you should never, never uh, settle for what you're doing in, in, in God because God can use you in bigger and greater things but if you get into that mindset where like oh no this is how God uses me this is how God uses me to liberate people it kind of becomes kind of like a pattern you already know what to say to people you already know what to say to make them cry you already know what to make to say to make them laugh and it doesn't and, it, and it's not necessarily now God that's using you it's you're using your own you know ways to do things so as a wife you know you have to keep your husband if you're you have a, an evangelist a pastor grounded so that he knows so that's one of my biggest roles in in, the, in my marriage you know to understand that um i have to be that person for him when he's away you know i'm home you know praying like god please you know he's gonna go and 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 liberate and he's gonna do all these things but like i i need your angels to protect him like i need i need you to to be with him because the battle begins once you're off that altar. Like someone said to me, someone said to me, "Oh, I now I know why you why you're so in love with um with with my husband, um, you know?" And at that time it was a friend of ours, and I said, "Why is that?" "Oh, because of how he preaches." And I looked at him and I said, "You're wrong. I don't because the true test is not me loving him when he's on the altar. It's me loving him when he's off the altar because yeah, you guys see a man of God. I see the man, you know, and nobody knows him more intimately than I do because I know his I know his struggles. I know his flaws. I know everything that, you know, I, I'm the one that has to deal with him saying, like, I'm not going to preach anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. And I have to be like, no, babe, you know, you're you're called for greater things. You're called to do this and you're doing that once. Um, you know, I'm not this big timer preacher or whatever. I'm not traveling or anything like that, you know, to bring the word to any, you know, um, like my husband does. And someone told me, oh, um, everyone keeps asking me in the church, what is it that you do? And it, it got very intimidating, Pastor, when I married Sam, because everybody was looking on to me to see what I was going to do when I was simply there to one, support my husband and whatever he needed, I'm going to be there. Um, and this person says to me, oh, I told everyone that you're just, you're just the minister's wife. And I, that rubbed me off wrong. And I'm like, Lord, please give me the wisdom to just give the correct answer because that I'm just not just a minister's wife. You know, I am Michelle. I, I, I am a human. I feel I have my own personal calling. You know, and I said, no, you know what? Um, it's so funny that you say that because being just a minister's wife is enough then. Because while you guys see the man in his glory on the altar, I have to deal with him at home. And I have to take care of him so that he can take care of you Because if he's not in a healthy environment at home, if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do as a wife, then he's not going to be ministering from a good place. So it is, it's, it's tough. It's tough, but it, with God, anything is possible. That's good.
That's good. That's good stuff. I, and that's so good because I'm glad you went into that because I was going to ask you, you know, um, do you ever feel the pressure um, to answer a ministry call to, to preach? And um, so you just answered that. And I'm, I, I'm so thankful that you're grounded in who you are. Man, you're blessed. Yes, uh, supernaturally blessed. Y'all see how his voice got deep when, he, when after Michelle spoke. Yes, I'm supernaturally blessed. <laughs> uh, there was a there was an emperor um, by the name of Marcus Aurelius. He used to have a man, a servant behind him, that every time that he would go before the people, and they would celebrate him and they would clap and say how wonderful he was and how powerful he was. This man was assigned to be behind him and whisper in his ear, you're just a man. You're just a man. You're just a man. She's the emperor. She's the man behind the She's the, the, the man behind the emperor. He's just a man. And um, it's awesome because um, my wife has been such a great influence in my life. And I, as a husband, have made so many mistakes Um in, in my marriage because we get so caught up in ministry and on the road that we do such a bad job in taking care of our families because we kind of forget, we tra- we tend to forget that without our families, we lose effectiveness in the kingdom. We can't minister to the, to, to the church that we can't minister in our homes. And, I, and I've made a lot of mistakes and I've had to ask forgiveness. I've, I've, there's moments where I, I, I have my tantrums and I had my attitude issues and I've had my moments where I'm like, ah, I want to give up. And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> I got a family I got to attend to. I got, you know, and my wife is like, you got to get yourself together. You're, you're a man of God. You got, you, you, I understand what you're going through, but you have to focus. And, and I thank God for the wife that God has given me because if it wasn't for her, I probably, what, those seasons that have been very difficult, I would have probably given up a long time ago. And um, I'm very thankful, not just for my wife, but also for my family, like my mother, my father, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law. My father-in-law, man, he, he doesn't even serve the Lord like that. And this man has counseled me in difficult moments. He's like, hey, what's up with you, man? You're a man of God. Let's go. Do your thing, man. Don't lose faith like that. Yeah, man, it's, I'm surrounded. I, I got to say I'm surrounded. And to me, that's real honor. When I go out to minister, you know, people are like these cloud chasers, you know. Oh, my God, look how God uses you. Let me take a picture with you so I could get some likes on the gram. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I'm nobody. And not that I don't value my gift. Not that I don't value who I am. I know who I am. And because I know who I am, I'm grounded. I have identi- identity. And I'm not worried about if people if people embrace me or not. Because I know what God is, is done in my life. And I know what God is doing in my life. And I'm thankful for the friends that I've had now that have come into my life to help me embrace that. And, and you know, embrace our... I mean, like, we have spoken about certain things that, you know, we battle with and struggle and that to me is honor because everybody can talk to you about you know the the gucci belt they got the the you know the new car that mercedes they drive but who can talk to you about things they struggle with like not not everybody's gonna do that like talk to you and tell you that's honor that's honorable and that to me is where real ministry uh is effective Uh, that's so good 
See, now you guys know why we love him so much, man. So I'm going to wrap up here. Sam, you have any last minute, last uh, things you need to say? Thankful to be a uh, part of this podcast, and I encourage everybody to listen to it. Um, every time that Pastor Brandon comes out with a new podcast, I promise you, God is going to speak to your life and also inspire you to just do better and do more. And, and to, to, to don't settle. Don't settle. Continue to press. Continue to push forward. And this podcast, I promise you, is going to bless your life. To, to, to also to understand who you are in God, to value yourself. And don't let um, the situation that you might be going through um, in your home church, like where people are devaluing you, they they really don't probably don't even care about what God is doing through you. But if you have identity and and you value who you are in God, then you don't need to worry about if your people don't accept you. Keep pushing forward because God is going to bring the correct people into your life, like Pastor Brandon. Yes, sir. <laughs> and and your season will come. And your yes, season, season will, come. will come. Just wait on the Lord, like that good song. Sweet on the Lord and, and he will guide your steps. Yes, yes. I love that song, man. Some guy, you know, I never even knew that song until some guy came to our church. They were leading worship. Um, I shouldn't say some guy. He's actually a good friend of mine. His name is CJ. And um, he came to um, lead worship, man. And he introduced me to that song, bro. Changed my life, man. Changed my life. Anyway, um, we're headed to the airport. Thank y'all for listening. Sammy is, I wish I could take a picture right now because he is still holding on to the, the car. <laughs> And I'm not even like there's not even any traffic. Like, what are you afraid of? I don't know. Release me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but thank you for coming on today, man. I really appreciate it, and um, certainly it was good to hear from Michelle from the uh, woman's perspective. You, you're really blessed, man. Thank God for her. All right, over and out. Wow, that was so good. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I sure did. Be sure to stay up to date with Planters Podcast by subscribing right now. Don't keep all the goodness to yourself. Spread the word with a friend so we can all connect, grow, and go. And remember, if you're interested in one-on-one church plant consulting and coaching, it's available. All you have to do is visit our website at theriverdanbury.org. Click on planters and submit your request. It's just that easy. Until next time, may your seed find its ground.